0: You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join in the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name's Janine Benson. And, and I'm Brad Gray. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a great morning. Uh, I just love being on air with you, Brad. Yeah, I do too. Just, it's just, uh, it is a joy. It is, and the Holy Spirit just just takes over. I mean, we can feel it. We yeah. can just feel it. It's just a beautiful thing. You know, we're we're so excited. We have our next guest, Dr. Christopher DeCock joining us. Uh we had our last show mm-hmm. had uh, Dr. DeCock for a whole hour and that was just really really a wonderful opportunity to have some clarity uh with morality and the medical mm-hmm. uh realm which uh Brad and I can't talk to without you, Chris. So, <laughs> That's right. So we'd well, like to welcome you, you back, yeah, Chris. Yeah, thanks
2: for being here this morning. All right. Thanks again.
1: Well, could you just briefly reintroduce yourself sure. for our listeners who are joining us today? Who All right.
2: Yeah. yeah, so I'm Christopher Deacock. I'm a pediatric neurologist at Essentia Health, and um, as I mentioned where I work, I also have to say that my opinions may or may not reflect those of Essentia Health. Uh, I'm a parishioner at St. Anthony's, and I married and have four wonderful kids, and uh, as Janine pointed out, I also have, you know, a godchild that she may know, so uh,
1: last my, time. My beautiful granddaughter, Talitha, yeah, she is a joy, <laughs> Oh well, thank you for all your prayers for for our beautiful granddaughter.
3: Well, as we get started, let's uh, let's talk about this question of vaccines. Well,
2: before we do that, yeah. because okay. last time I promised, okay, that I would give an update on the uh, the Uniform Law Commission because ah, we yes. had talked about that in the spring. So. As of late September, the Uniform Law Commission actually put the revision of the Uniform Determination of Death Act on hold. Mm. And so, in a letter I received from our committee chair at the Uniform Law Commission, it states, In consultation with the Uniform Law Commission leadership and based on feedback from the first reading and our efforts to date, we have decided to pause the revision of the Uniform Determination of Death Act effort. The result of this pause is that although we will continue to hope mid-level principles will become apparent, no further drafting committee meetings will be scheduled at this time. We will continue to monitor developments in this area, and if we see promising signs of a possible path forward toward a widely enactable revised act, we can then reassess having the committee resume its work. So, that's really good news. So, so at this unpack point, that
3: for us a little bit. Like, so, what are they saying there?
2: So what they're saying is that they tried to propose loosening the Uniform Determination Mm -hmm. of Death Act, and they got so much, um, how shall we say, kickback Mm -hmm. from USCCB, the American College of Physicians, and other organizations that it became clear to them that there is no medical consensus, Mm -hmm. uh, especially going toward a less than whole brain death standard. And so they backed off on it. And I'm not exactly sure what mid-level principles are hoping are going to come. I mean, maybe it means they're hoping we give up, Mm -hmm. but we can't do that. You know, right now we've won a battle, but we have to remain vigilant, otherwise we're going to lose a war. And speaking of that war, the American Academy of Neurology recently came out with new brain death practice guidelines, which completely ignored the last two years, pushing this loosening definition of death. But Mm -hmm. that's a talk for another day, because you want to talk about vaccines. We do.
3: Just just to make sure, that if if this is a topic that's coming new to people, um, so kind of in in a nutshell form, basically there was a push to, to, as you said, loosen the definition of death that may lead, that could lead to actually someone having organs harvested before they're dead? or, or tell, tell me, what was the Correct. danger that we were dealing so, with? That?
2: So, it wasn't a definition of death. It was a declaration of death. Okay. Okay, now, based on whatever declaration you use, there will be an implied definition. Okay. And so, they wanted basically to legalize not quite dead hmm. as dead. I see. And, it's, I mean, that's as basic, you know, basically what they wanted to do. And we argued, look, dead enough is not good enough yeah. It doesn't matter how laudable your goal is, you know, of giving the gift of organ donation to someone, which is a laudable gift. Sure. But if they're not dead, you can't kill someone to do something good. You can't use a bad means to get to a good Absolutely. end. Absolutely, yeah. right. And so, yeah. so at this point, that's been paused on a legal level. However, the American Academy of Neurology is continuing to push.
1: And, and for our listeners, this is just something that we need to be prayerfully praying about, um, you know, because it is, as medicine grows and, and even with some of our new med students, even the Hippocratic Oath, I mean, you talked the last show about being healer mm-hmm. uh, and, and how that uh, is just paramount in the medical, uh, being a doctor. Absolutely, and, and, it's, and it can be conflated a little bit now for our young medical students. And so we've had, you know, we had uh, Todd mm-hmm. on after you last, um, last time and how he really talked about how he talks to his medical students. Um, and, it, and it's just very important that we stay vigilant, that we uh, don't let go of the goal. Yeah, mm-hmm. And so thank you for all your great work.
2: Yes, yes. thank you. So,
3: let's turn our attention now to the questions of vaccines, now that we've covered that base. Um, So, what is is a vaccine? What's the purpose of receiving one?
2: Sure. Okay, so, I'm not an infectious disease doctor, full disclaimer, Mm. okay? So, my understanding of vaccines is not terribly nuanced. But, to my understanding, a vaccine is basically either an infectious agent, you know, bacteria or whatever, you know, virus, bacteria, or a part of that that basically... You give to someone and it basically causes their immune system to rev up so that when they actually are exposed to that bug in the future, they can easily mm. destroy it mm. you know, to avoid effects. And vaccines are, are very good things. You know, My grandma had polio. She had to use a walker all of her life after she got polio in the 50s. We don't have polio anymore because of vaccines. Vaccines are very good. However as with the COVID vaccine and other things, we've definitely run into a few bumps in the road. And the problem with vaccines is I think there's a misunderstanding. So something like polio, you get when you're a little kid, you get the polio vaccine, I think you get like three shots, you know, over a few months. It's been a while since I've done general Pete, so I don't recall exactly. Hmm. But then you're done, right? Whereas something like the flu vaccine... You get a new one every year, and that's because those viruses mutate very quickly, and so the last year's vaccine isn't going to work for mm. the following year and stuff like that. And so, so there's different vaccines.
3: Okay, so going into, into the one that you mentioned, that's kind of the hot-button one, give the, us the COVID uh, vaccine. Uh, tell us, break that down for us. Okay,
2: so the COVID vaccine had a number of hot-button issues, and... It can be hammered out, and we're not going to have enough time to talk about it all before the break. But there were mandates, there were questions of cooperation with evil, and there were the questions about exemptions. Now, I can tell you personally that even before this was mandated or anything like that, I had resolved to get the vaccine... Because I felt that it was my duty as a healthcare worker to protect my patients, to protect my family. You know, we were told that it was to stop the spread. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, that ended up not being true. Some vaccines do do that, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not like it was a conflated lie. You know, they thought it would, and, and it did not. And so I was like, look, knowing what I know about cooperation with evil, I was able to determine that, yes, I could ethically receive the vaccine. So now let's get into cooperation with evil. So what is that? So there were two main vaccines. There was the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine, right? Mm-hmm. There was a, a couple others, but I forget what they were. Pfizer ended up being the big one. So Pfizer vaccine used aborted fetal cell lines in their test of purpose. So to see if the idea of an R a vaccine would actually work, right? Would this project work? And then once they were like, oh good, it works, then they did not use tainted cell lines in the actual development of the vaccine. However, Moderna used aborted fetal cell lines in the development and the test of purpose, right? So on the face of it looks like Moderna is worse than Pfizer. But if you look at their charitable givings, both companies give money right now to Planned Parenthood And that's also cooperation with evil, right? And some people would argue that's more remote, or that's more proximate cooperation Mm -hmm. with evil than, you know, an abortion that occurred 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, in our world today, we can't get away from cooperation with evil. If you've got a cell phone, if you eat bananas, if you buy drugs from these companies that support Planned Parenthood, you're involved in cooperation with evil, right? And so... So it's not all the same, right? right? So there's a lot of issues there. And in fact, the reason I knew that I could ethically do the COVID vaccine is not only did the magisterium say that it was okay to get the COVID vaccine, but this isn't the first time we've run into this problem. So in the chickenpox vaccine that kids have been receiving for years, it's made with aborted fetal cell lines. Mm. And the magisterium said, look... You can give it because you want to prevent harm to your children. And, you know, you might be like, ah, chicken is not that big a deal. I've seen bad cases of chicken pox. I mean, you really, I mean, having a vaccine for chicken pox is a good thing. I've seen kids in the ICU who didn't get the vaccines. And it's a nasty disease. But the magisterium said, look. You can get that vaccine, but then you have an obligation to contact that company and say, look, I will give my child this vaccine, but you really need to work on doing something ethical here. We can't just, you know, kowtow and say, well, we don't have any choice, put our hands in the air and just do it. No, you need to fight back. You need to say, hey, look, Mm -hmm. I don't like being involved in cooperation with evil. I have no better option. And therefore then you can do it. And mm-hmm. so so that I mean that's that's sort of the cooperation with evil piece. And you know, I'll get into the the exemption piece in a little bit, but you know, it's it it wasn't cut and dry at all. I actually had to consult the National Catholic Bioethics Center on more than one occasion, um, especially since a, essentially as a Catholic-affiliated hospital, you know, could we even offer the Moderna vaccine, sure. and it was like, "Look, we don't actually get a choice as a hospital. We didn't get choice which vaccines we could get." Mm, interesting, mm-hmm. and so you kind of had. To to go about it i know there was a one-shot one that was the worst but i forget what company did that
1: might have been that johnson and johnson yeah one. i think it was yeah. a johnson and johnson that was well, the worst yeah well we have to take a quick break but yeah. on the other side of the break we'll have more conversation with dr christopher Tacock on vaccines so stay with us we'll be right back
0: live engaging and local This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network.
1: Did you know you can listen to Real Presence Live anytime on any podcast platform? Just search for Real Presence Radio on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and on the Real Presence Radio website and subscribe so you don't miss any future shows if you like what you hear give us a good rating so other people can find us as well real presence radio your family of faith and hope
4: if you are experiencing depression anxiety or suffering especially from grieving how can you find healing i'm father chris alar While you should first seek professional help when needed, there is a roadmap that can help you to live your life again, and it is called the Spiritual Principles of Divine Mercy. First, come to admit that you are powerless over the loss of your loved one. Second, come to trust that Jesus can restore your life to manageability. And third, make the decision to entrust your will, your life, and your loved one to the loving care and protection of God. Join us and learn more about how to apply these healing principles in your life. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. This is Dr. Ryan Sappo from Lumen Vision in Fargo. Many times every day in our office, I see
1: children whose eyes don't work the way we take for granted. If the eyes aren't working together as a team, aren't jumping back and forth appropriately, or aren't focusing correctly, children will fall behind in academic and athletic performance. Lumen Vision specializes in treating these eye movement issues through a process called vision therapy. You can learn more about vision therapy on our website, www.lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of Real Presence Radio.
0: You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join in the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name is Janine Bitson. And I'm Brad Gray. And we are having a very good conversation with Dr. Christopher Decock on vaccinations. And of course it's, you know, kind of a hot button issue. You know, it's uh, led to a lot of I, want, I don't want to say family conflict, but definitely some uh, tense conversations amongst our families, and uh, not just uh, maybe our personal families, but our Catholic family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really important to have these discussions and, um, and just ask ask the right questions and uh, to the right people. And so we're grateful for Dr. Christopher Takakon on helping us with this. Um, before the break, we were talking about, you know, the, the whole thing with cooperation with evil. And that, you know, is kind of like one of the things that maybe prevented people from going down the COVID uh, vaccine road and and rightfully so. I mean it's it's very good to be aware, you know, of those things. But there was also this going down the road of conscientious object, objection with a religious exemption point of view. Can you Sure. elaborate on that?
2: Sure. So so a lot of people sort of made a mistake about what exemptions were. And it was actually really funny because I read EEGs remotely for uh, Trinity Hospital in Minot. And uh, they asked me for proof of COVID vaccination in order to keep reading the EEGs, which I don't actually charge them anything to do. So mm. I found that was very interesting. And um, I sent them PowerPoint slides because they only had two exemptions. They had a religious exemption and they had a medical exemption, but they didn't have a conscience exemption. And so I, <laughs> I sent slides to the vice president of Trinity and, uh, and clarified. They, they took it well because mm. I said, look, I mean, guys, come on. Let's be serious, and I read these EGS remotely. Why do you care? Yeah, I'm not right. even. I'm not even. There's in your no facility, danger of
3: infection here. Yeah,
2: you know, unless uh, you know when I call you on the phone to give you a result. You know, if it can creep through the phone lines, right. but but anyway. So in, in you know in all in all clarity. So so when we talk about an exemption to a procedure or, you know, a vaccine in this case, you know, there's three exemptions. First one's pretty cut and dry. It's a medical exemption, right? So medical exemption, there are some conditions out there that if you get certain vaccines, it's not advised because you can get flare-ups of those conditions or anything. The big one is like Guillain-Barre. Like every, every year when I get my flu vaccine... They say, do you have Guillain-Barre? Guillain-Barre is a condition where your body attacks its nerve cells, Mm. and it can be very problematic. And, you know, it's basically your immune system overreacts. Mm -hmm. Well, the problem is if you're giving something like a vaccine that makes your immune system react, then you're possibly going to make that condition worse. So that's the first one. That's a medical exemption. The second exemption is a religious exemption. Now, as much as I would like to say there was a religious exemption, there was not. The magisterium came out and said, look, it's okay for Catholics to get the COVID vaccine, you know, in order to promote the common good, right? It's not
3: objectively evil, is what you're Correct.
2: saying? Yep. They said it's okay. If you want to get the vaccine, you can do it. And people will say... People said, you know, Catholics were like, well, no, I have religious exemption because, you know, it's made with a portal of fetal cell lines. Well, they were conflating the religious exemption with, with a conscience objection, mm-hmm. and that's something different. Now, what was a religious exemption? Well, there were pork-derived products in the vaccines, and so if you were a conservative Muslim or a conservative Jew who did not eat pork for a religious reason you should not have gotten the vaccine because that would have been a violation of their religious beliefs and, therefore, they should not be required to get that vaccine. Mm -hmm. And that is a religious exemption. Now, the conscience objection is... The hardest to understand, because I think we have such a misunderstanding of what conscience is. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys remember those you know, Mickey Mouse cartoons where Pluto would have the little devil dog on sure. one shoulder and the little angel on the other shoulder. Well, that's not what conscience is. So, uh, Dr. Daniel Somese actually wrote... Wonderful articles on what actually consciousness is. And we had talked about Dr. Pellegrino in the past. So mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Solmazi is Dr. Pellegrino's protege, if you will. He is the head of bioethics at Georgetown. And he equates conscience. To the head of Janus, so, you know, the Roman god who's he- who has two heads, one facing forward and one facing backwards. So it's the god of transitions, that's where we get January from, mm. right? It's the end of an old year, the beginning of a new year. Mm. And he said, look, conscience just doesn't look back. But it looks both forward and backward. Mm -hmm. And so we look back toward, and I'm quoting here, a commitment to morality itself, to acting and choosing morally according to the best of one's ability. So that's what we're looking back to. What are we looking forward to? We're looking forward to... And again, I quote, the activity of judging that an act one has done or is about to do, which one is deliberating, would violate that commitment. And so, it's not, conscience isn't, oh, this makes me feel icky. Consciousness is, this is a deeply held belief that I've had over time. Mm. And so, for example, if someone came in and said, look, I didn't give my kids the chickenpox vaccine because of the cooperation with evil there. And, you know, even though I could, and for the same reason I don't want to have the COVID vaccine, well, that would be a valid conscience objection. I mean, that makes sense. And then the problem is, it's not just I feel icky, it's this is a commitment that I have over time that is demonstrable, mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of people didn't have it some people had never even heard of a boarded fetal cell line, sure. you know until the covid vaccine and then all of a sudden they said well no i really you know i i, I really can't do this but they didn't bother to actually look at the other vaccines they were receiving you mm-hmm. know and and part of that falls on us right we can't we can't just go blindly into it we have to research these things we have to you know, we have a duty to be aware of what we're doing, right? That's part of conscience is, you know, there's, you know, there's the natural law, you know, that's ingrained in your heart, but it's also the right reason to apply that natural law. And so it's important to do that. And so when I was, you know, at Essentia, you know, this understanding helped me to shape you know, some of the policies that we had. Hmm. And I guarantee you, I didn't make everyone happy. I gave a, a grand round, so a formal presentation called Mask Mandates and Mayhem, and I definitely didn't make everyone happy. Hmm. I probably made quite a few people unhappy. <laughs> but what I think is really important is people have lost a lot of, tr- have lost a lot of trust in medicine. Yes. And yeah. most people were trying to do the right thing. and And I think... I think you just have to remember that, that most people are trying to do the right thing in this situation. It,
1: it was definitely, you know, we didn't have all the answers, and we were, like you say, doing the best that we could, you know, with the situation we had. Now now we're being that January, you know, looking back, <laughs> yeah. and, and hopefully, you know, moving forward, you know, in, in the right way um, when the next... Unfortunate pandemic
3: yeah, might happen. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. speaking of unfortunate, unfortunately, we've run out of time. Oh my goodness, so we, uh, we need a
1: whole hour with you, yeah, Chris. We, we really can't. do.
3: But uh, we, we really do want want to thank you for kind of bringing your expertise into this. This is like Jeanine was saying. This this has been an enormously divisive yeah. point, uh, and people have very strong. Uh, positions on oh yeah on opposite sides here. and it
2: did cause fights. Yes. I know you tried to backpedal yeah. on it, but it did cause oh, family discord.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, shockingly, in a way that many other things that you would have thought would be more likely to cause division didn't. <laughs> this right. one really did. Uh, well, run and sure. I think
2: it's because it was also tied up with political things. Yeah, you know? exactly.
1: Well, and and that was a big part. There was a lot of tribalism yeah. in that. But uh, our family lost a loved one to COVID, and she wasn't able to see my father-in-law mm-hmm. for three years and. Mm-hmm. So it caused a lot of pain in our family, a Mm -hmm. lot. And, yeah, yeah. so um, we have to go to preview. There's (laughs) a lot of heavy
3: stuff, but we do have to cast it over to Aaron to to preview what's coming up next time around. On the next Real Presence Live, Tuesday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central, your host will be Father Richard Kunst and Cindy Jennings coming to you live from Duluth, Minnesota. Their guests will include Sean Pilcher, who works with Restoring Holy Relics with Sacra. Also, get your questions ready for the return of Straight Talk. All this and more is coming to you in the next Real Presence Live, Tuesday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Back to you. Thanks so much, Aaron. It's uh, It's been a powerful, powerful show so far. It has. Uh, and
1: and we only have a minute, Chris. But yeah. do you have any, like, thought that you can wrap up this short segment that we've had with you? Sure.
2: So, I think it really comes back to that cooperation with evil yeah. and you know, forming our conscience. The thing is, we, we can't boycott everything, you know, but we need to be willing to speak up when, when people are doing unethical things. We mm-hmm. need to write these vaccine companies. And you're like, well, they don't, give, you know, they don't give a darn what you think. Well, no, you have to do it anyway, yeah, right. right? You have an obligation to do that. And, and we need to let people know that we care about all life, from conception into natural death. We care about the intrinsic human dignity. And there's a cultural war against intrinsic human mm-hmm. dignity. People are trying to say what dignity is, why we shouldn't care, and stuff like that. But we have to. Because yeah. as you know, St. James said, you know, basically, faith without works is dead. And we need to be willing to stand up to inconvenience ourselves to do what's right. Well,
1: thank you for that, Chris. Thanks for joining us again. And Brad, thank you for a great show today. We just, uh, all our listeners, please know you're in our prayers. Please pray for the souls of the faithfully departed that we're all in heaven together one day. Amen.
0: This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network.